0: the new am 740
1: from hockey to wrestling football to golf no sport left unturned you're listening to the naz and wally sports hour on zoomer radio good morning naz good morning wally neil the boys are back let's talk sports
2: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM 740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, you can tune us in on 96.7 FM. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio this morning, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. Hope you're enjoying your candidate day weekend. And to all of our uh, listeners in Western New York and... Uh, Upstate uh, uh, Michigan and uh, and, uh, Pennsylvania and whatever, we wish you the best of a July 4th weekend as well. And it's a big holiday down there, as it is here. As it is here. Anyway, it's been an interesting week in sports, Naz. We've got a lot of things we need to catch up on. But uh, just to uh, break the ice here a little bit, I guess they weren't celebrating on St. Clair last night uh, or in Woodbridge Avenue. Our beloved Azzurri. or in Nobleton, either. or a Nobleton for that matter. Our beloved Azzurri, uh, Naz and I are uh, always been uh, fans of the Italian national soccer team, and uh, we didn't get the result we would have liked yesterday. It was certainly a nail biter, and uh, it was an it was um, it was an interesting soccer game. Germany and Italy are certainly uh, historically two of the great powerhouses in in world soccer. Um, this wasn't uh, considered one of the great Italian teams. Uh, Certainly the Germany team is considered a great team. Um, It was one of those games that you call a tactical masterpiece. I guess that's what the soccer purists are calling it. Um, Some people found the game boring. Some people found it uh, magical. Uh, It may not have been one of the great Italy-Germany classics for most of the game, Except for what happened in the penalty kicks, will certainly will be remembered for a long, long time. So, uh, uh, tell us your thoughts on the game, Nazz. Well, a nail
3: biter for you? Nail biter for sure. And, and and I thought the Germans deserved to win, Wally, too. They 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 played better than the Italians did yesterday. Now the 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 one the the penalty kick that was called it was a surprise too. Also, the defender having both arms up and hit, hits him in the uh, in the hand and. Penalty kick, and at least scores, Bonucci scores, and uh, made the game very, very exciting. And the shootout was exciting, though.
2: Yeah, certainly the the penalty kick, uh, the German defender, a little bit of a brain cramp. I mean, that's the last thing you do. He's a star player. Oh, he's a great great player. player. Absolutely. Um, But the last thing you do when you're in the box is put your hands up in the air. I mean, uh, I don't think the referee had any, any choice but to call a penalty on that and uh, certainly the Italians squeezed every last ounce uh, out of this team and you, you got to give them a lot of credit they were much maligned coming into the tournament they were basically playing not even their second string midfield probably their third string midfield by the time everything got said and done uh, you know Marchio, Veratti, even De Rossi wasn't available yeah, Rossi yesterday so yesterday. Uh, but wow what an incredible performance by the Italian back three uh Barzali, uh Bonucci and Chiellini.
3: uh Chalini is my favorite.
2: They, I mean either. they held except for you know one mistake in the game they held off uh what is what is you know you know it's this is a pretty 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 good German team. Uh I wouldn't even say good. It's it's you know it uh, what they accomplished in the World Cup a few a couple of years back um you know they are one of the one of the best sides perhaps in a long, long time, and Italy, uh, Italy held their own. I give a lot of credit to Antonio Conte, the coach, um, who's who's on his way to Chelsea. Um, certainly, um, he he came up with a plan that um, um, wow, that's that's a difference a good coach can make in in in, in a game. Um, he gave he gave this team a plan, and it was probably the only plan that put them in a position to win. And the only mistake. The only mistake Conte made in the whole tournament was taking Chiellini out to put Zaza in with a couple of minutes left in, in, in the in the overtime, uh, in the extra time. And, Zaza uh, seemed and, to be very pressured, and, Wally. Uh, very and, pressured. And, and, you know, you bring a guy in, he's cold, and I, the only thing that made any sense at that point in time, he was bringing Zaza in for what was going to be penalty kicks, and I have never seen a more pitiful penalty kick. Uh, <laughs> the announcers were saying uh, that. It to... was – he just – he you know, when they talk about the yips in golf, Zaza had just yips. had the soccer yips. I mean, I've never he was seen terrible. a guy – six-year-old couldn't that. He couldn't bring himself to make his way towards the ball. And then uh, it was uh, – I don't know whether he was trying to be cute or whether he was just completely overwhelmed by the situation, but – he was just the wrong guy in the wrong place.
3: But what's the path now with the with the European Cup for the teams? Because you look at it, who's left? You got Portugal and Wales. You have uh, Germany and Passa, and I think France is going to beat Iceland.
1: So you have you would four. think you would think you never know. though. <laughs> Go
3: Iceland, yeah. yeah. And, and at at home too, France yeah. is home. I, I don't see them beating him. But you know the path that uh, Portugal and Wales have compared to what you know Germany France Italy I mean it's, Spain Spain yeah, It's I mean, incredible
2: as as it turned out the way they lined up the groupings and they, you know I mean I don't I mean I guess it's the luck of the draw and you know it is what it is uh you know um it just it just seemed that um you know people were calling yesterday's game the final uh and now they're going to be calling the Germany France game uh the final um Wales and Portugal you know they don't have they don't have the success the history the and they're probably not even as you know they're just they're not at that level so um, France and Germany uh, have had some historic matches as well in fact the 1982 uh, semifinal was one of the most brutal soccer games I've ever played these t- you know what these two countries do not like each other on the soccer pitch so that promises to be. Uh, in a, in a, in not in a literal sense, but in a figurative sense, a war. Um, they don't like each other. Um, and that is going to be um, an interesting, interesting soccer game. Now, you got to think that, you know, Germany had a little bit of life taken out of them in yesterday's a game. A lot Just, of
0: life.
3: They were beaten up you the know italians i mean it, that them. was a
2: tough game uh they went extra time it was an emotional game you know you could tell by the germans after they won and you know to a certain extent i thought the spanish the spain game took something out of the italians as well um you know having to beat a world class team like spain and then come back for basically on 3 4 days rest and then then play germany um and and without your top flight midfielders is you know and that's where most of the game is that that I mean that's a pretty tough uh and you know germany's going to fa- face the same thing and this germany france game the survivor of that game um you know they're they they're, they're going to be pretty pretty heavy legs when they got to go to that final but i i have to think that uh you know germany france one of those two is going to take home the Euro. I don't think so. I think they're going to be beating well,
3: got... up. That's why I think they're physically that uh, the the teams can't take it because there there is only four days in between games, right? And and if, if Germany gets in, look what they had to go through. And France gets in, they're going to get beat up by Germany, right? So it's going to be an interesting final. I, I would take Wales or Portugal on that side. I think that side has had the easier run. I really do.
2: Certainly, going to be another interesting week, and uh, I'll leave, we'll Wales leave him... Wales would be a story. Well, That's they played sure. exceedingly well against uh, against Belgium uh, the other day, and they've got a world class uh, world class player in Gareth Bale, and um, wouldn't be surprised. Interesting, it's gonna be an interesting. Uh, interesting battle between Gareth Bale and Cristiano Ronaldo, who are teammates on the Real team, and uh, uh, it'll be an interesting game. But I, th- I think France-Germany is going to be maybe a game for the ages. It certainly might be. Yep. We're looking forward to that. And uh, we'll leave off our Euro discussion on the following basis. force Iceland! <laughs> Iceland, go! And uh, the one, the one interesting thing about Iceland is uh, you can't buy an Iceland jersey in the world right now. They're completely and utterly sold out. Anyways, we'll move on from Euro. Yeah, it's they been sold
3: a... three hundred and thirty thousands of their own country.
2: <laughs> it's been a great week in uh, an interesting week in hockey, and we're just going to go to break. But we'll be, when we come back from break, um, we've got to talk some hockey, Naz. So we've got to talk some Stephen Stamkos, some PK Subban, some Shea Weber, some Taylor Hall, some what's that guy's name? Adam Larson. Peter Shirelli, Mark Bergevin. Um, Milan Lucic. Milan Lucic. Uh, Matt Martin, Roman Polak. Uh, uh, a lot of interesting things at the uh, at the uh, NHL uh, uh, this week. And it all happened. All the big stuff happened in half an hour. I mean, that stuff was coming over the iPhone. And I, I was looking at some of this stuff. I couldn't believe it. Anyways, we'll be right back after the break. And we'll be discussing the free agent frenzy in the NHL.
4: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just 13 99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh!
5: There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabond Carly, the intelligent choice.
6: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice.
1: The only thing I love more than sports, is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And uh, Naz, uh, some interesting uh, developments uh, in the NHL. Let's go straight to... uh, Let's go straight to the one that I thought was the biggest story: uh, PK Subban for Shea Weber. Certainly didn't seem to make Mark Bergeron uh, the uh, the most popular guy in Montreal for a couple of days. The Montreal fan base and a lot of the uh, a lot of the NHL uh, critics uh, seem to be piling up on. Bergevin uh over that move and then that wasn't just the only move he made for the Habs uh oh, co- Shea
3: Weber is the better defenseman if they're looking at a hockey trade as player for player Shea Weber is by far the better defenseman than
2: Paul you Brady may be is. uh you may be out on uh, on a limb on that one Naz. that certainly didn't seem to be uh and I don't disagree with you um Bergevin was criticized um severely criticized um from a couple of points of view, one, Weber's three, four years older. Uh, Weber's contract extends for 10 years or thereabouts, and Subban's is over, I think, in about four or five. Subban uh, is making about over $9 million a year. I always thought he was overpaid, by the way, but uh, that's that's market in uh, in the NHL nowadays. You can't afford to lose... Your 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 franchise defenseman for, for nothing. So I yeah, thought I end, thought Bergeron got cornered into that
3: contract. Wally, the back end of that contract though is is not as uh, bad for uh, yeah.
2: Weber. So, but uh, I just want to let's let's keep the let's keep the economics of it aside from now. Um, when I saw that one come over the wire, first thing crossed my mind: the happiest guy in the universe right now is Carey Price. Um, and I always go back to the point about P.K. Subban. He's, he seems to be a polarizing type of defenseman in the sense that um, either you love him or you hate him. Not hate in a, in a literal okay. sense. A, you, know, you, either, you either love him as a hockey player or you don't think highly of him is probably a more appropriate term. Or you don't think highly of him as a hockey player. Um, I've never, and this is my personal opinion, and you know, I may I may be you know uh, uh, against against the wind here. And and Naz, I think you're on the same wavelength. I have, I'm I've never considered PK Su. Let's forget about his Norris Trophy. Uh, I've never considered him um, one of the. And I won't choose my words carefully. One of the top five defensemen in the game. I'd say maybe not, not even top ten. I don't think he's top ten. Top I ten. Don't. And and we and we go back to a couple of factors on on PK Subban, and we remember, and it, and it, it's about his performance on the ice. Um, from what I can tell, in Montreal, he's loved. Uh, the fans love him. Uh, he's personable. Um, you know, he's involved in the community. He's obviously that. You know, he made a tremendous, tremendous. Contribution towards a local charity. Um, but there is also always some lingering stuff going on there. Um, nothing's ever been confirmed. Um, seems the rumors seem to be that he's not well-liked in the dressing room. But let's just go to Shea Weber as a hockey player. Let's forget all the other stuff. The one thing that stands out in my mind... And, um, and Steve Simmons makes the point in the Toronto Sun this morning. Um, he was probably the last guy selected for Team Canada in Sochi. Eighth PK def- was. PK, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh, my recollection is he only played one game in that tournament. Only and suited up for correct. one game. It was the, the Austria Olympics. game, yeah. the second game. He didn't crack the World Cup team this September um eight i mean the brain trust of canada's world cup team and you look back either the brain trust for 2014 at sochi or the brain trust for uh the world cup in toronto coming up in a couple of months and you're talking about some of the brightest men in hockey mike babcock joel quenville steve eiserman doug armstrong ken hitchcock they didn't have to worry about economic decisions. They just worried about hockey decisions. They didn't find P.K. Subban to be one of the guys that they wanted on their blue line. And that, that tells me a lot. You know, the age thing is Shea
3: Weber could end up being Chris Pronger and play till he's 39. And then the deal is not, not a problem at all. Shea Weber is in the top two or three defensemen in the National Hockey League now. It's obvious that Shea Weber is a better player than uh, P.K., and I would take Shea Weber in a heartbeat. I don't understand what the commotion is about P.K. I don't. Um, on, like a, a ho- on the hockey side. On- and I'll tell you what. I said this on the show last week, and, I, and I, Mike, Michael Traklos was on our show, and I said, P.K. has the attitude that he's bigger than the team, okay? That doesn't work in Montreal. That doesn't work in Montreal. And I felt... I felt that he was going to get traded, and he got traded. It, that is the case because PK is all over the place, and Nashville might be a good spot for him. You know, he's away from Montreal's a hard city to play in, away from the action, and he he might do okay there. But you know, I would take uh, I would take Shea Weber in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm certainly on board with you on that one, Naz. Um, the Taylor Hall deal okay we're we're, we're changing uh, changing uh, Peter Shirelli um Peter Shirelli uh criticized in Edmonton uh, sorry in Boston for Tyler Sagan. and you know we criticized them like crazy on this show like how do you how do you get rid of a Tyler Sagan? now Taylor Hall um wow for Adam Larson um who, quite frankly, steady defenseman, steady defenseman, number young. four, number f- young, young, number four overall pick. Yeah. Um, Taylor Hall, to me, is arguably top ten forward in the league. Not even. I mean, if I was to yeah, if I he, was to run down, he may be in that in that five to ten number. Yeah. Adam Larson doesn't show up anywhere you know, on anybody's radar screen, other than he's a young. Uh, right hand defenseman. And we all know that Edmonton has been they have, desperate. To, they don't have a D. For, for, for defensemen, Absolutely desperate. Um, but it's the moves that happened uh, thereabouts at the same time. You get rid of Taylor Hall, you freed up that cash, you bring in Milan Lucic at $6 million a year. Lucic not a $6 million a year player. Like, well, why do you make that move? Like, what's, what's going through Shirelli's thought process?
3: Um, well, he'd be good prote- protection for Connor McDavid, that's for sure. Lutich would be
2: uh, an asset for a while for, with Connor Yeah, but McDavid. you know, we, t- we, we talk about this thing about protection, and, and, and now we're going to go over to Matt Martin and the Toronto Maple Leafs. We talk about this thing for, uh, you know, we got to bring in these tough guys to protect your star player. Has the league not changed what what you know what tough guy what tough guy did did Pittsburgh have in in, um, in the Stanley Cup Finals or in, or in uh, you know is, has the game not changed did Jim Rutherford not see the tea leaves that you don't need these tough guys anymore you need skilled players out there. You need guys on a third line. Like, I can't even – I don't even know these – When it comes to the playoffs, that's for sure
3: you do need that. But during the regular season, they take liberties on their players. Like, some of the Leaf players got beat beat up last year, and they they didn't have anybody. And some of these other teams did. And – I know. It's not as much in the playoffs. The playoffs, they they. So
2: you you're seeing you're seeing Lucic on a line with Connor McDavid. Yeah, I and I, I do. think that's a mistake. I think, that's and I'll where tell he's you playing. why it's a mistake. Because when we had Matt Sundin in Toronto, okay, yeah. for ten years we stuck him with a bunch of stiffs, okay. You got a talented player, play him with somebody well, talented. Well, McGilney wasn't a stiff. He
3: played.
1: Well, McGillney
2: didn't play that long with Sundin, yeah, But no true, question, McGillney was a world class player. But when you got talent, surround him with talent. Like somebody, somebody who thinks the game at the same level. I, I think you got a guy like Connor McDavid, play him with somebody talented, somebody who can take advantage of those skills. You know, not not with a guy who's going to stick his rear end out in the corner. Well, hey, without due it, respect, with Lucic, you know what? You know, he's not a bad hockey player. Yeah, six years at sixty-six million dollars a year. Six, six years at forty-two million. At forty-two million, yeah. yeah. Seven
3: years. Wow, seven years, six million dollars. It was a forty-two million dollar contract. But you know, like Lucic is a decent player, though. He could play in a line with McDavid, and don't think that the, just because you put skill with skill that it's going to work out. Look at Crosby and Kessel; didn't work out. You know those things sometimes don't work out. There's line combinations, and Taylor Hall and and uh, McDavid didn't work out together, really, and they they had to split them apart. So you just don't know the chemistry how it works.
2: Anyways, I I you know if I evaluate those two deals, I think Montreal and Bergeron. I mean he's. You know, the vilification he's taken from the hockey critics, I mean all the all the usual guys you see on TV, all the round tables, all those guys, man, they're all they've all they've all jumped all over Bergevin um for that deal. But then they they signed. jumped over yeah, but let's take a look at some of the other moves. It's Montreal, the Canadians are much, to me, I you know what? Um they're a much better hockey team today than they were a week ago. They are. They're tougher, uh they're better on defense. Uh, and the, they're all in on, on Rajilov. I mean, that's that's the one where they're rolling the dice. And what from what I've heard is Radulov signed. Um, he's coming back six million dollars. It's only one 5. year. Five
3: point seven, my yeah, but it's one year. it's
2: only one year. I mean, yeah. the, the, I mean, the, the the Habs blew it on Semin last Semin year, and that you know thing. that was horrible. I don't think Rajilov's Semin.
3: Radulov is a
2: way better player than sagan Yeah, and 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 the 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 reports that I've read they asked Shea Weber, should we sign Radulov, and Shea Weber put the thumbs up. I mean, you know, we, and we've talked about this about players before. I mean, sometimes they just mature. Sometimes they have bad attitudes. Uh, I mean, presumably that's the reason Shirelli traded Sagan out of Boston, because there's no other rational reason. To trade a world-class 21-year-old. I'm wondering
3: if there's issues with Taylor Hall too. Yeah, I was wondering. I'm wondering if there is issues. Yeah,
2: but you know, Radulov, you know, he had that infamous thing where he missed, uh, you know, he slept in or whatever he did. He missed a team meeting. I remember the story during the playoffs or he, he missed he curfew. Was all, he was out all, he was all, night. all night partying. You know, maybe he's, maybe that's behind him. Yeah. You know, sometimes he they mature. He's got a family now. He's got a child now, and he's a world-class talent. Um Bergeron may and you know, if Radulov comes in and provides some offense, um watch out for Montreal next and year. He did play in the Quebec uh, Junior
3: League. You know so Montreal familiarity with, a, yeah. with Montreal.
2: Montreal with a healthy carry price, with uh with Shea Weber on defense, uh with Radulov uh if he can play and he, um, the um the, the kid they brought in from Chicago. Shaw. Shaw. Uh toughness, that's what Montreal uh, that's lacks. What Matt Martin is. Toughness. Bigger, that's what a Matt,
3: little, a lot bigger. But yeah. Uh, so Martin
2: certainly, uh, certainly, uh, I think Montreal may be the most improved team uh, coming out of uh, coming out of free agent frenzy week. Well, well Tyrion's going to have a hell of a time. He
3: better be good in the first 20 <laughs> games, or else he's going to be. Well, out you,
2: know, the, the, you know, Tyrion will have a hell of a time. You know what? That guy back uh, in between the pipes, you know what yeah, they, a they say? Makes, you know, goaltenders make, uh, coaches. make coaches into geniuses, right? Uh, so, certainly uh, uh, a much controversial trade. We'll keep talking about it. And. Um, And uh, Stamkos, we haven't talked about Stamkos, we'll talk about that. But we're going to break now, and we'll be right back after the break with uh, the co-managing director of M5 Sports, Anton
4: Thun. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo combo, ponzo combo. You get two Roti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings. I say for sure. Ponzo combo, ponzo combo. That's nineteen ninety nine. A deal for real? A steal. Ponzo combo, ponzo combo. Yo, visit Pizzaville.ca or pound three six three six from your
1: cell phone. Word.
0: Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This
6: is Daryl Sittler for Alta, Infinity, and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the Number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's
5: choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm, Rigabon Carly, understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them, every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigobon Carly, the
1: intelligent choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And, of course, if you're listening in downtown Toronto and the signal isn't as great as you would like it to be, you can also listen to us on 96.7 FM. We're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Anton Thun. Anton is, of course, one of the most prominent player agents in the NHL and co-managing director of M5 Sports. Good morning, Anton. Good morning, guys. Thanks, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us this morning, and thank you so much for joining us. We want to spend a little bit of time taking advantage of, uh, of uh, the opportunity to talk about the world of player agency, Anton. And uh, you've been a player agent for uh, a long time. Tell us a little bit about how you, uh, how got, how you got into the whole, uh, the whole business of uh, sports
7: agency. Sure. Well, I guess I'm probably uh, one of the old guys in the business these days. I uh, I was young when I started, but uh, I always loved sports. I played a lot of sports growing up as a child, and quite uh, uh, and honestly, always wanted to be a lawyer as well. So uh, when I was uh, in my teens, I uh, decided that one of my goals was going to be to try to be a lawyer. Uh, quite honestly, uh, I, I don't know how, how uh, you guys came about it, but at the end of the day, uh, I was watching Perry Mason, believe it or not, when I was a kid. And uh, he always seemed to win, <clears throat> excuse me, he always seemed to win every every trial.
3: Except and one, I think.
7: That, <laughs> yeah, it, it's very possible. It's very possible. And, and maybe I didn't see that show. <laughs> uh, but, but the long and shorter was that intrigued me into becoming a lawyer. Uh, having a sports background when I was in law school, I always dreamed of uh, uh, trying to be uh, an agent. Uh, at that point in time, uh, Alan Eagleson was the head of the Players Association, and and uh, he's been a little bit disgraced since that point in time. But when I graduated from law school in 1982, moved to Toronto, I spent uh, a lot of time networking in rinks, uh, meeting people, and uh, the business was much, much smaller at that point in time. It was much, much less professional at that point in time. And I was fortunate to befriend a number of people that uh, gave me some good advice and gave me some good leads. And I was able to combine a growing law practice with a growing sports management practice and and, uh, built both of them out until until it just became untenable uh, in the 90s to uh, operate both. And in 1995, I left a law firm that I was a partner in, Robbins, Appleby & Tobe, and and, uh, became uh, a full-time sports agent.
2: I'm talking to Anton Ton. and Anton uh, talking about uh, play agency. Um, I, I won't. I won't uh, bore our listeners with this story. But when when we have a chat, to chat, when we have an opportunity to chat one time, I'll tell you my experience. The one and only time I got the opportunity to be a player agent. I'm sure it'll bring oh. a lot of chuckles to you. But uh, we'll discuss that one off the air. Uh, sure, Anton. Uh, player agency. Player agents. Uh, certainly in 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 the older days have had had a mixed reputation and uh and then at at some point in time the NHL decided to take a hold of it and said you can't represent NHL players unless you're certified. Uh tell us a little bit about what it means to be and how you get certified by the NHL.
7: Sure, sure. Well, it wasn't actually the NHL that started the certification program. It was the NHLPA, okay. the Players Association, that, that started the program and, and continued to maintain that. And essentially, you know, the NHLPA's mandate, through the collective bargaining agreement uh, and through its recognition as the sole authority to negotiate con- uh, the collective bargaining agreement and represent players it has the mandate to do what's best for the players themselves, professional players. And, it re- and when I say professional players, the NHLPA really only governs the National Hockey League players. It doesn't govern minor league players. It doesn't govern players in the Ontario Hockey League or the NCAA. It's simply the NHL. So the mandate is to to do the best for the players, and it became uh, apparent that there needed to be some type of program that uh, the people who were representing the players in individual uh, contract negotiations needed to uh, subscribe to and to, to have a particular level of skills, uh, and that's uh, that started, I think, in probably the mid '90s um, and uh, or the early 2000s. And uh, uh, so today, unless you are actually certified by the NHLPA as being authorized to negotiate a contract you are prohibited from negotiating an NHL deal. Uh, The process of of doing that is you have to uh, formally apply to the NHLPA. Uh, There is a uh, a questionnaire. There is an interview process where the lawyers at the NHLPA vet the applicants. And uh, for the most part, if you're a professional with a uh, strong reputation in your own industry, uh, from a business standpoint, you are most likely to be certified. Um, I don't think the threshold is too, too, too high, and it's not exclusionary. It's intended to be inclusionary to allow uh, players to choose their own agents, but no, no doubt if the NHLPA believes that a, a person is not competent, uh, they will not certify the individual.
3: We had a signing this week, uh, Anton, of uh, Stephen Stamkos, and uh, the tax situation that occurs in Florida, there is a, a, they're telling me that there's an advantage to signing in Florida because your tax dollars, once they take your uh, tax away, uh, the net pay is the same as other places. How are you affected by that in in uh, in, in an everyday situation when you're negotiating for a player?
7: Well, the player always has the choice to, to choose whatever contract uh, he wants. It's our job to try to maximize that contract value. Uh, the in, the, there's an interesting component to, to Steve Stamkos' contract negotiation because at the end of the day, there are very favorable situations in a number of places. And, and some of those favorable situations relate to geography, some of them relate to weather, and some of them relate to tax. And in uh, Tampa and in Florida, for that matter, um, as well as in Dallas, um, you have probably a combination of those factors. And so if you don't want to play in the cold north or if you don't want to play under the microscope of being in a Canadian city um, and if you don't want to pay as much in tax, then there are benefits to playing in Florida or in Texas and signing a contract there. The interesting thing is uh we live in a cap world and um teams will obviously try to uh maximize their abilities in terms of signing players by minimizing the salary uh that they pay to to a player so there's been a bit of a domino effect quite honestly in terms of what's happened with Stamkos so Stamkos signed what the hockey world would believe to be an under market value contract okay he could have received uh million or maybe $11 million or perhaps even $12 million in a different marketplace. And that's the goal of every agent, maximize the contract. He ended up agreeing to a contract at 8.5, which uh, doesn't seem to make sense from a maximization standpoint, but quite honestly, from a net tax standpoint, from a geography standpoint, from a weather standpoint, probably suits Steve Samikos' needs perfectly. The dilemma there is now the marketplace gets shifted for one of these top players. Okay, so Chicago paid Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane 10.5. Everybody assumed that Stamkos being free on the marketplace was going to derive a contract in excess of that. In fact, he took a contract that was substantially less. How does that reset the marketplace? Well, a one-off contract typically doesn't reset the contract, uh, marketplace, but Victor Hedman followed that up almost immediately of taking the contract for less than Stamkos, and probably less than the hockey world would suspect he should have earned based on what uh, Shea Weber and Drew Doughty and P.K. Subban have signed for. So there's a bit of a domino effect going on right now that the NHLPA probably really doesn't like because it's now uh, creating this snowball effect of uh, lower-value contracts being signed in clubs with Tampa and Florida.
2: Uh, we're talking to Anton Dunn. Anton Dunn, of course, uh, a prominent uh, player agent, and I want to go back to that point of uh, of uh, and Naz and I were just talking about it just before the show. Uh, the whole concept of after tax uh, income, and yeah. and and just to give our listeners an idea on on a on a contract, let's say in. In Florida or Tampa, I don't know if those are the best tax jurisdictions. Perhaps you can comment on which, which are the best tax jurisdictions for an NHL player. And then I guess you get into the whole issue of residency and whether they're Canadian residents or U.S. residents. I don't even want to touch that yeah, but, uh, because then we, we'll get into the Canada-U.S. tax treaty. But which, which jurisdictions, which markets are considered the best tax jurisdictions for an NHL player? And what would be the difference? on an an after-tax basis, either, let's say, on a $5 million contract, either in in raw numbers or in percentage basis? Sure. What kind of numbers are we talking about?
7: Well, we're talking significant numbers, because at at the end of the day, you're you're looking at, uh, the the best tax jurisdictions right now would be the states in the United States that have uh, no state tax, okay? So you're looking at Florida and Texas primarily, and and to a certain extent, uh, Tennessee. Uh, for the benefit of no having uh, no or very low state taxes, contrast that to uh, California. If we're looking at the United States that has a high state tax, and New York State uh, and New York City for that matter that has its own city tax, uh, and then you contrast that to Canadian uh, this Canadian tax situation. So, let's say you're in Florida and you're being paid uh, five million dollars. Your your tax rate probably max out at about 39 percent which is the US federal tax rate the maximum um, subject to a, a lot of different levels the the levels that you achieve that tax rate the maximum tax rate because um, it doesn't start off at 39 just as it doesn't in Canada either um, is, is a much higher level so let's let's say the levels are the same you're at 39 percent in the United States in the state of, uh, of Florida and in the state of Texas. Now you come to Ontario, (laughs) and I believe the Ontario tax rate um, in 19, excuse me, 19, I'm showing my age, in 2016, will be approximately, the maximum will approximately be about 53.5. Yeah,
3: it's around 54%. Yeah.
7: Yeah. That's a difference of
4: 15%.
7: So on a $5 million contract, just the $5 million contract, your net after tax in your pocket, in Florida it will be fifteen percent more, so fifteen percent of five million dollars is seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars difference after tax
2: i've got to tell you i don't, i don 't know if this has ever been discussed uh, when the collective bargaining agreement uh, was negotiated or when the salary cap but if I was a Canadian team I would want i would next time the the cBA comes up for discussion um, wouldn't it make sense to evaluate the salary cap in the context of after-tax dollars rather than pre-tax dollars?
7: It would. It would. Um, and, and, but and yes, there's no doubt that that, that would has that happen.
2: ever be, Has that ever become an issue in, in any of the discussions? Is it on anybody's radar screen?
7: Well, I haven't said in the, in the collective bargaining negotiations uh, uh, as an agent. We're not in that process, yeah. um, so I can't see whether it has or it hasn't. But it hasn't been anything that's been publicly discussed significantly. But it's, it's, it's definitely a relevant factor. Um, and, and having said that, these tax rates change from time to time because nothing is 100% uh, carved in stone. So if you went back three or four years ago, okay, uh, the place that actually had the best tax rate in contrast to uh, Florida and Texas was the province of Alberta. So if you played in Calgary and Edmonton, so the variances aren't just between Canada and the United States. The variances are between all of the states and all of the provinces because they all have their own individual systems uh, that are a combination of federal, uh, state, provincial. And in the United States, we actually have cities that have their own city tax. So New York City imposes a tax on residents of New York City. Uh, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Detroit, they all impose taxes, income taxes, on the residents of their cities, just as we impose um, uh, real estate taxes. They not only have real estate taxes, they also impose an income tax. So all of those things would have to be taken into account, and all of those things change from time to time.
3: The influx of uh, of Polaris coming from the KHL, that's uh, really increased. Are you finding more and more... uh opportunities for those players in the NHL
7: well I think what's happened uh, over time guys is a number of things okay Uh, there were a lot of players from Russia in the National Hockey League probably as little as 10 years ago that number has reduced and reduced and reduced until recently um, uh, for a number of reasons some of it was uh, you know issues that arose with some of the Russian players uh, in terms of their conduct Some of that had to do with, and a significant portion of that had to do with oil prices in in the world being at over $100 and the Olympics being in Sochi. So uh, Vladimir Putin um, really imposed upon uh, sponsors in uh, in Russia to support hockey in a significant way. What that did was, through the KHL, which became a significant player, which, which the Russian league was not a significant player in the past, the KHL became a destination point for, in particular for Russian players, but also for, for European players looking for higher salaries. What? And it became a strong league, and they were paying a lot of money. And then the bottom dropped out of the oil uh, uh, prices. Um, the value of the ruble dropped by over 50%. Players in the KHL are, in fact, paid in rubles, not in U.S. dollars. So if you had a contract that was worth $2 million in one season, it might have been worth $1 million in the following season based on on the drop, of the uh, vast, insignificant and uh, immediate drop of the value of the ruble. So that created a disincentive for players to play in the KHL. And even the Russians, even though they're playing at home, have said, uh, hey, listen, Canadian dollars and U.S. dollars and lifestyle. Uh, might be more valuable at this point in time than me uh, getting 50 cents on the dollars on my rubles.
2: We're talking to Anton Thun. we just got a couple of minutes left, Anton. There's one area I, I wanted to get into because, you know, to call you a plag- player agent is really minimizing the level of service that you do provide your clients. You, you provide your clients and the players – with all kinds of different services, wealth management advice, accounting advice, legal advice, it's, it's, you're really more than a player agent and uh, um, and you do it through M5 sports, but there's one, one, one area I do want to ask you. uh, And we got into it a little bit with Brian Burrard, when we talked about uh, the Jack Johnson matter uh, Mm -hmm. last year was the whole, the whole idea of these young athletes, young men, 18, 19, 20 years old coming into millions of dollars and the effect that that has and their ability to deal with that and what your role is in terms of um, providing proper advice, both from a financial point of view and also in the situation where you see perhaps some young athlete isn't acting as mature as he should, your role
7: in all of that. At, at the end of the day, our role is, as agents extends as uh, as as wide as the client allows us to extend it. We we you know we are uh, uh, contracted by by players, and in some instances, we're contracted solely to do a contract negotiation, and, and in other instances, our clients want us to to be uh, essentially mentors to them, uh, in addition to the mentorship that they get from their mom and dad. Uh, and in those circumstances, it's our responsibility to ensure that our clients are uh, taking the right steps, not only on the ice but off the ice, and that includes ensuring that their financial affairs and their personal affairs are taken care of, and um, and that extends beyond just a, a, a contract. That extends to their financial advisors, that extends to their legal advisors in terms of wills and powers of attorney. It is, extends to uh, immigration matters and so on and so forth. And in those instances, you know, I think we we as a firm over uh, 30 years in the industry have a level of expertise that a lot of people don't have. And we've basically seen almost everything that can possibly happen in today's world from problems with Twitter to uh, criminal matters and so on and so forth. So, you know, the guidance that we try to provide to our clients is, is to really be a mentor and to... Uh, ensure that they understand what the right steps in the process are and they understand that you you have to get involved with credible people not fly-by-night people and not people that are trying to hit home runs for you Uh, the career of a a national hockey league player or a professional athlete as a whole is a short career and uh, for the most part players have dedicated a substantial portion of their lives to their career um, and unfortunately because of that, they don't necessarily have the skills and other uh, avenues um, to take care of those things. And and what we try to do if, as much as possible, provided that a client allows us to do it, is surround him with professionals that will assist him in all the matters uh, and educate them as we go along, so that when their career is over, uh, they've maintained their financial status, they're educated about the financial world and the legal world to the greatest extent possible given their ages, um, and uh, can conduct their lives and go on and and live a a fruitful life for the rest of their lives, which could be 50, 60, 70 years. But you have to plan for that.
3: Anton, there's one player out there uh, who played in the KHL last year. Do you know what the status of Ilya Kovalchuk is?
7: Um, Yeah, yeah, my understanding is that he's under contract in in Russia, uh, and uh, he... Uh, he's under contract, I think, with the St. Petersburg SKA club, um, but there's talk that he may in fact end up being the, uh, uh, the lead player for the new franchise in Beijing that the KHL has brought in. So he may be switching from the St. Saint, Saint Peter's club to uh, Beijing to, to be their uh, star player.
2: Anyways, we've been talking to Anton Tun. Uh, Anton, we really appreciate uh, coming on on a Sunday morning, and uh, you've provided us some insights into uh, player player agency and the role uh, you take in these young men's lives, both from an economic and from a personal point of view. And really appreciate. it. I'm sure our listeners did as well. Thanks so My much. My pleasure,
7: guys. My pleasure. Take care. Have a great day.
2: Thanks so much. That, of course, was Anton Tun. We've got a couple of minutes left. We'll take a couple of quick calls. Give us a call at four one six. Three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four zero. Let me try that again. One eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. We'll try and take a couple of quick calls. We have the D General on from Itobico. D General, how are you this morning?
7: Good guys, uh, how's it going? Great show this morning. Uh, really informative. Uh, actually, want to ask uh, Anton a question and kind of leave it to you guys too. Is is the is the NHL outpriced out itself when it comes to uh, signing these guys? Um, you know, Stamkos uh, took a, a, a lot less than he probably could have gotten, but are some of the other guys maybe in the NHL making far too much money, which is kind of handcuffing these general managers and, uh, and the quality of hockey that uh, some of these teams can, uh, or, or their quality these teams can produce over, over the long run? Because, uh, I mean, uh, look at the, look at Matt and the, this guy Martin that the Leafs signed. I think they overpaid for that guy. Uh, what do you guys think? I'll just um, I'll hang up and I'll let you guys talk about it. Thank well, you, D. General.
3: Well, I think the the uh, what's happening is the the cap is a, is really affecting it because they were expecting the cap to go up every year, right? And it's not; it's leveled off pretty well. And there's not enough money for these guys under the cap to sign all these guys, and that's what's happening. That's why they're not signing for bigger types of money like PK did and
2: Weber did. Yeah, I. I- i'm I'm you know are are the teams hamstrung um i, I think to a certain extent they anticipate. general managers when they gave away a lot of money in in years past anticipated the cap was going to increase at a certain percentage yes, every and year it's not and it hasn't well it didn't this year anyways yeah. and um because there's just only a certain amount they can spend. So, you know, they, they've, got a, they've got a max and they've got a minimum as well. And, some, you know, some of these trades, some of these teams are actually taking on salaries so they can meet their minimums. Mm-hmm. But the whole Stamkos trade, um, and we, we delved in no, – it's a trade. No, it's not a trade. It's signing. signing. Um, and trying, trying to get my thoughts out on this uh, really quickly because we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, I, I was shocked when I saw that um, come over. Why that eight and a half million dollars was on the table, um, probably a year ago? So I don't think the money is there anymore he, he,
3: because of the cap, right? The way it is, they can't sign these guys. Well,
2: I, I think Iserman, Iserman, I mean, you got to give the, the Iserman all the credit in the world. Yeah. I mean, this, he, if he isn't the smartest hockey mind right now, he's he's got to be pretty close to it. Um, I mean, he learned his craft under Ken Holland, although. You know, some of the moves that Ken Holland made last week, I'm shaking my head. But, you know, uh, but but Iserman got, he's got Stamkos and he got Hedman signed to long-term deals. And is he betting that the cap's going to go up so he can sign some of these younger guys in the next couple of years? I don't know. But um, he certainly got, I mean, he had the week this week, Iserman. Um, He signed
3: Hedman too, which is incredible. But But let's go
2: back to Stamkos. And I have to believe, I have to believe that there was some other team that had $10.5 million on the table, whether it was the Toronto Maple Leafs. I heard it was the Islanders. Whether it was the Islanders, whether it was the Buffalo Sabres. So. he left a lot of money on the table. Over the course of his contract, he probably left twenty to $30 million on the table. But, and as Anton Tun said, those guys, the boys down at the, at the Players Association can't be very happy right now because no. they despise contracts at less than market value. But the Leafs brought in John Tory and the
3: Canadian Tire Executive to negotiate it with Steven Stamkos because they didn't have, there wasn't enough salary there for him to come here. And that's what ended up happening. I don't understand that move, having the but, pre- president of then, then, I, I the the mayor know, of the city of you
2: know, Toronto I, in I, negotiations. I, I got to think, Brendan. And we got a couple of seconds left. Brendan Shanahan, Lou Lamorello. I mean, they got to know that Stamkos is not coming here. He's coming here for his contractual salary. Not, not you know, he can figure out the himself and his agent can figure out the the endorsements. But anyways, uh, unfortunately, the uh, our time is as. Uh, Time has come to an end for another edition of the Naz Only Sports Hour. Uh, we wish all our listeners uh, a fantastic day and uh, the rest of the weekend. And,
0: Naz, have yourself a fantastic week. You too. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.